Halo Episode 4, Homecoming. Uh, I'll say it, this was the worst episode so far. It was slow. Really slow. It was a slow episode. It feel like every aspect of the show, every storyline just came to a straight halt. Which is really disappointing because last week I said, I think it's going to pick up next week. You know, we've kind of set the stage for what this show is, where the people are going. And next week we're going to get back to the action. That didn't happen. Now, look, I'm not the type of person that needs explosions and guns firing off and all that kind of stuff in my movies and television, but I just really don't like television that is really drawn out and very, very slow. This episode in particular was very reactionary. And what I mean by that is there was a lot of times where people were doing, like, slow head turns or, like, reactions to something. And it was just so, so slow. And it wasn't so much, like just people talking, but it was just people reacting to people talking. What the hell are you doing? But maybe I'm just being nitpicky. And also one of the funny things about this is I think every episode we're going to see a new character's butt. Every episode we get to see a different person's behind. Last week it was Master Cheeks. The week before that it was the Blessed One. And today it was Fincher, who by the way should probably do some squats. Looks like he missed a couple leg days. Anyway, I might just being nitpicky about how slow it is, but uh, you know, this episode, while it was probably my least favorite, it was the only episode that had a actual theme so far. And that theme or the main message was just about human behavior and how it should be acceptable on all fronts. And we'll discuss it a little later, but pretty much how, you know, kind of getting into how the Spartans are programmed and they should be acting more like machines because when you embrace your human behavior, it's when you start to develop flaws and you start to be reactionary and not so much more enhanced. I don't know, but it pretty much got into Halsey's ideology on her Spartans and how she views the human race. So let's dive into it in detail. This is Han Talks First, and this is our Halo Reviews podcast. Let's go. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. So before we start talking about the show, I actually wanted to show off one of my favorite collectibles from Halo. I don't think I've talked about it before, but this is my little tiny stand replica of the energy sword from the Covenant. It's kind of hard to focus on screen here, but I got this uh, for Christmas last year from my girlfriend's brother, and it's pretty cool. It sits right next to my Xbox whenever I play Halo. Okay, so jumping right in, let's start with the opening scene. We're getting way more flashbacks, which kind of delves into what the whole point of the cliffhanger was last week, going to this new planet. This new planet being the Eridanus system. This, of course, is the system that Chief and his parents moved to to try and start a new life, and where we found out more about his family's background as far as their scientific career. They were some kind of botanists studying plant life and trying to make it grow on this planet. Again, tying back into the main theme of this episode, showing that humans are becoming overpopulated. They need new places to live, and the places that they currently live, they destroy. They pollute, they overpopulate. But one of the great parts about the opening flashback was the parallel from last week's episode of the detention cell. Because last week, Master Chief, after breaking protocol and kind of going rogue a little bit, was put in the detention hall where Halsey confronted him. And it was very similar to when he was a child being in the detention hall again and Halsey trying to confront him then too. And why I liked it was it kind of shows a pattern of behavior with John. It shows that he is kind of rebellious in nature. Again, going back to this human response thing. Obviously showing that he, you know, he's meant for something else, not just for this mechanic, robotic, uh, by-the-book type of Spartan behavior. Speaking of Spartan behavior, he is not in his Spartan 
Mjolnir armor at all in this episode. He's barely in it. The other Spartans, too. It's really... I still don't know how I feel about it. You know, I want to see Chief. I want to see him do Chief thing. One of the great parts about him, the time that he was in the armor, was just seeing Master Chief ride in a warthog through the woods. It reminded me of being in the original Halo, just driving through that first planet that you're you're on and you finally get a warthog. It's fine. I just, I want to see more Spartan action. <laughs> Cortana, of course, made her debut last week. She's back again. And I absolutely love this version of Cortana now. And it's so on character because like when she was, when they were flying through space, coming out of slip space and she was pointing out like fun facts about it, how like, well, the human eye actually can't perceive slip space. This is actually how you're, you know, you just perceive it, but it's actually something we can't conceive of as humans. And it's just like, I watched that and I was just like, man, that is so Cortana, like a little bit of sarcasm, a little bit of attitude and that's her. But another thing that this kind of episode showed us was that Cortana is starting to care a little bit more about Chief, you know, kind of going against Hall. Z's regulation and trying to adapt more to him and his new feelings and emotions that he's experiencing. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about the Eridana system. So from the first time we see the shot of them flying into the Eridana system, I was like, wow, this really feels like the game. As far as that big dome structure that you see upon arrival and just walking through the woods and some of the inside design of the home, all this really felt like I was playing the game and it really embraces that open world mentality of it. That kind of feeling where it feels like you could go anywhere in that world. And of course, they're there to pick up whatever was buried by John and his father way back when he was little, and they open it up thinking it's going to be a keystone when in fact it's just a bunch of drawings. Drawings from when John was a little kid of an artifact that he found even earlier. Now, the artifact for, since we don't have a name for it yet, I'm going to refer to it as the monolith because it reminds me a lot of 2001 Space Odyssey, and I think it's kind of cool. Cool name. But before we get to the monolith, there was something interesting that Halsey was trying to prevent Chief from doing, and that was accessing more of his memories as a child in this home. And I thought the buildup to that moment where it was revealed that Halsey was at his home on Eridanus as a child... That was really well done. Again, a kudos to the editing department. The editing for the show, I think, has been the strongest as far as a filmmaker discipline perspective goes. I think it's done really well. My least favorite still being the music, but that's another conversation. So yeah, the buildup to some kind of reveal was happening. I thought it was, it was done really well. But the reveal, in the end, it really wasn't at, it was built up a little too much, I think, because the reveal that she was there as a child was something the audience kind of already had suspected. But that moment in particular of flipping the coin and Halsey talking to him, kind of like picking his brain to see, it kind of reminded me of Palpatine talking to young Anakin being like, ah, little Skywalker, we will watch your career with great interest. So Halsey's playing Palpatine here, being the puppet master, pulling the strings behind the curtains and everything. So what's interesting about the monolith is... You know, where, when was this put here? Obviously, my theory is Forerunner technology, which I thought they were going to bring up in this episode when they were going through the alien dialogue. But what is the purpose of Eridamus? Like, what is the significance behind this planet? Obviously, maybe his parents knew something more to this planet. That's my theory, too. Because obviously his father didn't want anything about this monolith to get out to the public, so he had it buried. Maybe it is one of the reasons why life can thrive on that such desolate dead planet is from the power of this monolith. But again, I don't know. It's going to be hopefully revealed sometime soon. So meanwhile, in uh, plot B with Quan and Soren, they go over back to planet 
Madrigal. Man, this whole sequence of events of B-plot was just kind of so dragged on for me. It felt like the Casino World Canto Bite from The Last Jedi. It just felt like a complete waste of time and not at all interesting. Pretty much all that's established in these scenes is that the people, the rebellion, the resistance, whatever they're calling themselves, has have lost hope. And they have fully given in to Finch's reign. Fincher, of course, has granted them free of debt and totally collected it, and then also protecting them against the Covenant. And another reason why I didn't like these scenes was because we got a little bit more of Fincher. While I think the actor is doing a good job, I think some of the direction and some of the choices that he was told to do weren't very at all interesting. And so while Chief is on Aerodanus in plot A, uh, Quan is on Madrigal in plot B, we have the other Spartans and Captain Keys on planet Reach in plot C. Now, plot C was pretty much only existed to give us a ton of exposition. So, Keys is working with the Spartans now. It's our first real conversation or encounter with them, getting to know them, and she's starting to learn more about them and realize, hey, they are human too. Meanwhile, they are testing the dead elite bodies. They are testing the alien weapons, and they are also trying to study the language, which that I thought was actually pretty interesting. Fun fact about the original Halo, so the elites in that game, the way that they made that language for the game at the time was they took dialogue from Sergeant Johnson's character and they reversed it and kind of distorted it a little bit and that's how they got the language for the elites. So anyway, back to the Spartans, we see the 125, I think is her number. She is starting to develop her own individualism too because she also removed that inhibitor chip on her spine. And then immediately she starts to feel emotion and she starts to uh, create her own personality again, going back to the main theme. And one of the things she decides to do is paint her hair red. I think it was a nice touch. It was very creative from uh, the filmmaker's point of view for the show to visually represent it on screen. And it brought for a great moment between 125 and Miranda Keys when she was just like, you're not telling me something. And she like starts to get scared and she was just like, the hair, it's terrible, isn't it? It was a cute moment and it was set up really nicely. And honestly, that's it for today. I mean, it was a shorter episode. Again, I think this was the worst one. Tons of exposition though. It was just filled with a bunch of nonsense and a lot of reaction time that just could have been sped up so much better for the pace of the show. Hopefully, crossing my fingers next week, is much better. But hey, let me know what you thought of this week's episode in the comments down below. Thank you guys for being so nice in the comments. And actually, when you want to correct me on something, it was done pretty respectfully. I really appreciate that. It's way better than some of the Star Wars comments I get on my other videos. So hey, I appreciate it. Keep it up and let me know what you thought. And I will be back next week. Like the video, subscribe for me. You don't want to miss an episode. And I'll see you guys very soon.